<laughs> How are we this morning? Uh, welcome to our Rich Dad Poor Dad um, broadcast and uh, we are continuing with um, his pearls of wisdom. Uh, yesterday we talked a lot about taxes and corporations. Today we're looking at another aspect of being rich um, and, and maintaining being rich as well. So um, Alexander Graham Bell uh, was, as we know, the inventor of the telephone. And imagine when he went to um, Western Union, who were the biggest like communicators of the time, and asked them to buy him out. He wanted a measly $100,000 for his invention and everything related to it. They turned him down. They said, that's a ridiculous price. We're not paying 100000 for that. And of course, uh, the rest we know is history that um, AT&T, the industry was born and it became very quickly a multi-billion dollar. So whoever that executive was or the team that turned him down, <laughs> they're probably turning in their graves now. Um, another story that Richard told us uh, at the beginning of this, Robert, sorry, told us at the beginning of this book is that he was watching the news and, you know, we often see this, that companies announce that they're shutting down and he was particularly um, attracted to a vision that he saw um, of a, a man about 45 years old with his uh, family in tow basically pleading with the security people to let them talk to the owners of the company. Like, please, there must be something you can do. Because like many people of his age, they had just bought a house, they were just settling in, and he was really scared that he was going to lose everything and quite possibly he would have. And so um, what Robert says, you know, is that this is history repeating itself over and over and that every um, every time a company shuts down, you know, the employees who are dependent on the day-to-day -day income are faced with the reality that maybe it's going to be difficult for them to survive. And he said, you know, he has been teaching since 1984 and in that time, um, he has been well rewarded uh, by the experience. Um, but he says the one thing that he's noticed about nearly every person is that we are all uh, we all have tremendous potential, and we are all blessed with gifts. But most people are filled with self-doubt and, and lack self-confidence. And he said he has seen, and we all know, that once you leave school, it doesn't matter how many degrees you have, how smart you are, what marks you got. I always remember telling my kids, you know, if they didn't do particularly well uh, at the end of their grade 11 exams or whatever, or grade 10, I forget when it is here, that um, sure, it's disappointing for the time, but in the at the end of the day, nobody's going to even look at your grades. It's not that you 
are going to struggle in life because you didn't get 90% on your final grade. Um, of course, we want them to, but at the end of the day, we know that it's not that important. What is important when we leave school? A lot of what is important about when we go out into the workplace is how bold we are, how much um, courage we have. And uh, that is probably going to put us in more um, strength than any amount of degrees. So um, he says that um, inside of each of us, we have two characteristics. We have the, uh, the one that is, uh, you know, full of promise and the one, the bold one, and we have that little timid one that keeps us from making some of the decisions that we could. And he says financial genius requires technical knowledge, but most of all, it requires courage. With excessive fear and self-doubt, these are the greatest detractors of personal genius. And it is often not the smart that get ahead, but the bold. So you need to have technical, technical knowledge and courage with respect to money. Most people would rather play it safe. They're not even sure whether it's worth develop, developing their financial IQ because what are they going to do with it? And one of the things Rich, Robert says over and over again is having financial intelligence gives you lots of options. It also gives you advice about what to do in certain situations. To participate in this amazing changing world by having a financial IQ, a financial intelligence, you are most likely to prosper greatly. And he reminds us that 300 years ago, wealth was all about how much land you owned. And then it became how many factories, how many production sites you owned. But now it's all about information and it's about timely information. It's about having courage to act on information fast, sometimes within seconds. Though people who are making billions of money are people who are making decisions in seconds about whether to buy, whether to sell, and we see this um, uh, and this happens over and over again in the stock markets. People that cling on to old ideas, they resist change and they will be left behind. Their problems lie within themselves. Their way of doing things was yesterday and yesterday is gone. Financial intelligence is simply having more options Opportunities will rise, arise. What will you do with them? How will you react when it doesn't go well? How can you find them? Being able to turn a lemon into, a, into millions is, happens with financial intelligence. Can you be creative in solving financial problems? Now, not everybody is going to go out and buy a house and resell it the next day, but that is one of the things that um, 
uh, Robert did, and he made a lot of money doing that. But we're not going to talk so much about the specifics of that today. But if you're interested in the book, you should go read it because there's a whole section about how he made masses of money in not very much time by being very bold. Most people know one solution for making money. They work hard and save and borrow. Why increase your financial intelligence? To be a person to create your own luck. If you're waiting for the right moment, it will never come. Rich Dad would tell Mike and Robert, money is not real. If you think it is real, you will work harder for it. You have to grasp the concept that money is not real and then it will grow faster and quicker. So what is it? Well, it's whatever you agree it is. A trained mind can, can create enormous wealth. Our minds are very powerful. In the information age, money is increasing exponentially. Getting rich from ideas and agreements, from stocks and other investments. Millions can be made instantaneously from nothing or buy nothing, no money exchanges hands, it's just agreements on paper or sometimes just a raise of a hand if you're in the stock exchange. Financial intelligence is fascinating. To develop a financial IQ to participate in the fastest and biggest game in the world is, is for people who want to be bold moving forward. So financial intelligence basically um, gives you um, skills. And, you know, one of the things that I've learned in my life is that we have to take opportunities when they're presented to us. Sometimes maybe we're scared about taking opportunities, but sometimes they can really pay off. But having an opportunity, taking the opportunity and then doing the right thing with it is also about financial intelligence. So uh, in, I think it was 1990, uh, I don't know the date exactly, but um, in Australia, the Commonwealth Bank were releasing shares to the public. It went public and it basically uh, released shares to the market and they were sold at $5.40. And, um, the public had the opportunity to buy some and there were like limited packages. Now at that time, Alan and I really were not financially intelligent and neither were we uh, rich. We were very much like living a little bit paycheck to paycheck, but we said, okay, we're going to do this. I like the idea of dabbling on the stock market. Let, let's have a go. And I think we were limited to $2,000. That was the, the package, the different packages that were offered because they weren't allowing people to buy big quantities. It was just a, a release to the market. So we bought $2,000 worth approximately and we ended up with 210 shares. And so, you know, their value, yeah, was close to $2,000. Anyway, the, the price of those shares now on the market is $98, right? So we have 
those shares, 210 shares at $98, their value is about $21,000. So yeah, we made a really good deal, but we would have made a much better deal. And I wish somebody had told us when we were younger, if when we received our dividend, instead of taking the dividend as cash, we had taken the dividend as buying more shares because the amount of cash we got at the beginning was very small, like $100, that sort of thing. If we had invested that each time in getting more shares, imagine 36 years later where those shares would be, how much we would own now. And that is how financial intelligence can help you because you know those things. In another way, um, Alan, uh, you know, and it reminded me of the fact that I bought some uh, um, Tupperware shares about two, about a year, 18 months ago. And actually they're, they're failing compared to what price I paid for them. But still, I need to go back to them and say, okay, if I'm getting a dividend, I need to reinvest that in the shares of those because the shares are really low at the moment. Sometimes when the market is really low, that's when you need to buy the shares because it, it's probably only going to go up. Sure, it could go back down a little bit further, but it's not going to go down much further. So now is the time if you're interested in shares to buy some because they are more likely to go up. But please don't quote me on that. I am not a financial expert. Um, the, the other thing that we have dabbled in is um, Bitcoin is, you know, uh, actually we have a fair amount of money invested in Bitcoin. And since we invested it, it's gone to about half its value. Are we scared? No, because we took the risk and we know that eventually it will improve. And the most important thing about being financially bold is not being scared when it downturns because it will downturn. You just have to stick it out and have faith. And Alan now listens to many uh, podcasts or he listens to YouTube practically every day learning financial stuff. He is increasing his financial intelligence. And financial intelligence, as we know, is based on the four pillars. Number one is, uh, sorry, accounting. The ability to read numbers and not be scared by them. I would add that as well. Number two is investing, uh, selecting the, the where you want to invest, the science of investing, understanding where it is good and what to do with your investment. Number three, understanding the markets. It's a science of supply and demand. Um, and number four, the law, being aware that anything you do lies within the law. So with that, I'm actually now going to uh, pass over to Marie-Pierre and I have on my to-do list to check what's happening with my boot shares dividends. <laughs> Thank you, Melanie. And I really love those four pillars. And one of them is investing. So yes, there's 
two kinds of investor that we learn in this book. So the first and, and is the most common type is a person that will buy a package investment. So they call a retail outlet such as a real estate company or a stock broker or a financial planner and they buy something. So it could be a mutual fund, a real estate investment trust, a stock or a bond. So it is a clean, simple way of, of investing. And it, an analogy would be that a shopper who goes to a computer store and buy a computer right off the shelf. The second kind of investor, the second type is an investor who create investments. So the investor usually assemble a deal in the same way a person who buys component to build their computer. So they do know how to put the pieces of the opportunity together and know or know the people who know how because it is the second type of investor is the more professional investor. So the professional investor look after their own investment, research the market and find deals that make sense, then hire professional to manage the daily oversight. So yes, great opportunity like you said, is, are not seen with uh, your eyes, they are seen with your mind. So most people never get wealthy because uh, simply because they are not trained financially to recognize opportunity right in front of them. So if you want to be the second type of investor, you need to develop three main skills. So number one is to find an opportunity that everyone else missed. So you see with your mind what other miss with their eyes. For example, he talked about his friend who bought a rundown old house. It was spooky to look at. Everyone wondered why he bought it. When uh, what he saw he, that we did not uh, was that the house came with four extra empty lots. So he discovered that after going to the title company. After buying the house, he tore down her house and sold the five lot to a builder for three times what he paid for for the entire package. So he made $75,000 for two months of work. So find the opportunity that everyone else missed. Number two skills is to raise money. The average person only goes to the bank. So this second type of investor needs to know how to raise capital. And there are many ways that don't require, require a bank. To get started, he learned how to buy house without a bank. It was the learned skill of raising money more than the house themselves that was priceless. Because all too often we hear people say the bank won't lend me money or I don't have the money to buy it. But if you want to be the type two investor, you need to learn how to do that, which stop most people. So a majority of people let their lack of money stop them from making a deal. If you can avoid that obstacle, you will be millions ahead of those who don't learn those skills. So investing is not buying, it's more a case of knowing. And the number three skills is to organize smart people because intelligent people are those who work uh, with or hire a person who is more intelligent than they are. So when you need advice, make sure you choose your advisor wisely. So that is the three main skill to be a good investor, the professional investor. But when you start, of course, we start as a novice <laughs> investor. So we'll go as the first type of investor. And after that, when you learn, when your, uh, your IQ, financial IQ will go up, now you can go into the second type of investor. 
So to make a, a nice summary of the chapter five, there's seven points that you need to know about this chapter. So number one is, are you letting self-doubt hold you back? Because the one thing that holds all of us back is some degree of self-doubt. So it is not so much the lack of technical information that holds us back, but more the lack of self-confidence. Number two is financial expertise require courage. I really love the story of Melanie. You need courage when you look at your numbers. And Robert is a teacher and he recognized that it was excessive fear and self-doubt that were the greatest detractor of personal genius. So your financial genius require both technical knowledge as well as courage. So if fear is too strong, the genius is suppressed. Number three is look at the history of wealth to identify the direction you want to pursue now. So 300 years ago, wealth was the land. So the person who owned the land owned the wealth. Later, wealth was in the factory and production and America rose to dominance. The industrialists owned the wealth. And today, wealth is in information and the person who has the most timely information owns the wealth. So when you look at history, now you can identify the direction you want to pursue. Number four is you have to know what to do with your money. There are a lot of people who have a lot of money and do not get ahead financially. They will fail to see the opportunity that will fit into their financial plan for escaping the rat race. So know what to do with your money. Number five is you have what you need to increase your financial intelligence. So the single most powerful asset we all have is our mind. So if it's trained well, it can create enormous, enormous wealth seemingly instantaneously. <laughs> so you have to uh, increase your financial intelligence. Number six is don't be afraid to learn from games because games will reflect your behavior. So they are instant feedback system. Instead of the teacher just lecturing you, the game is giving you a personalized lecture and um, one that is custom made just for you. So in the book, he presents us the game cash flow. So it's a game that he created for when he was a teacher, when he's teaching about wealth and all those things about money. So you can try it online for free. Okay, it's fast online <laughs> i look at it this morning oh my god you have to be fast <laughs> so maybe you can find someone to try it slower at the beginning but it's really easy to play but the purpose of the game is to teach players to think and create new and various financial options so the player who get out of the rat race the quickest are the people who understand numbers and have creative financial mind. So they recognize the different financial options and which people are often the creative and take calculated risk. People who take the longest are the people who are not familiar with numbers and often do not understand the power of investing. So some people the playing cash flow will gain a lot of money in the game but they don't know what to do with it so even though they have the money everyone else seems to be getting ahead of them 
And that is true in real life. There are a lot of people who have money and do not get ahead financially. After that, you have those people playing the same game that will complain that the right opportunity cards are not coming their way. So they just sit there. There are people who do that in real life. They wait for the right opportunity. After that, you have the people who get the right opportunity card and then not have enough money. Then they complain that they would have gotten out of the rat race if they had more money. So they just sit there. There are people in real life who just do that. They uh, see all the great deals, but they don't have the money. And then there's the people who pull a great opportunity card, read it out loud, and have no idea that it's a great opportunity. They have the money, the time is right, they have the card, but they can't see the opportunity staring them in the face. So they fail to see how it fits in their financial plan for escaping that game. So, and there are more people like that than all the other is combined. So most people have an opportunity of a lifetime flash right in front of them and they fail to see it. And a year later, they found out about it and everyone else got rich with it. <laughs> so yes, go and play that game just to make sure that maybe you don't understand a thing when you, <laughs> you play for the first time. So maybe you can try the version for kids I saw on Amazon, you can have the version for kids. So if you are starting at a low point with numbers, start with the kids version and after that go with the regular version. And the seventh, seventh point is the term to learn more about because yes, we know that we want to um, um, increase our IQ, financial IQ. So there's term that we need to learn more about. So financial statement, investment strategy, the laws, the market, the speculative stock, capital gains tax, and how to raise capital. So just to leave you with that, those terms. So if you want to learn more about, just do some research. You can do a copy paste on Google and just have a, a definition for each of them. That's a great way to start. So the primary reason we, uh, that uh, Robert is constantly encourage people to invest more in their financial education than in stock, real estate, or the market is the smarter you are, the better chance you have of beating the odds. So that's why we is still doing this book. And I really love it, this quote of Robert uh, that uh, we have to be smarter if we want to beat the odds. So thank you for being there this morning with us and we will see you next week. Have a great weekend, everyone.